everyone, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Team Success Podcast. I am particularly excited today because we get to talk about a new initiative within Strategic Coach, which is an amazing communication. I want to call it a technology. It's a system. It's a way of working with one another that I really am so excited to share with you. And to that end, I have the author and his colleague to interview about this. So the process and the system is called The Collaborative Way. It's based on a book, which you can get from collaborativeway.com. I'll give you that information again at the end. And it's a story about engaging the mind and spirit of a company. And that spirit part will be very instrumental to success. And we'll talk about that as we go forward by Lloyd Fickett and Jason Fickett. And we also have his absolutely brilliant and beautiful collaborator and deliverer in that, which is Krista Barber. So Krista and Lloyd, thank you both so much for joining me today. I'm very excited about this conversation. It's an absolute privilege to be here, and we're excited too. Awesome. Yes. All right. So I'm going to jump in and talk a little bit about Strategic Coach and what we're doing with it. And then I'd love for you guys to talk about, Lloyd especially, what the initiative for coming up with a collaborative way was. And one of the things that is so in alignment with Strategic Coach is that we're all about helping people and companies be much more successful and hit their goals in a way that is faster, easier, cheaper, better, all of those things. But there are some obstacles to growth that we all hit. We all have ways of looking at situations, ways of communicating, ways of collaborating, some of which work brilliantly and some less so. And what I love about Collaborative Way is it just cuts right through all the clutter. And there's other C words I could use for that. (laughs) But it's so powerful. Now, the other thing about Collaborative Way in terms of a practice is it takes practice. I haven't told you this, Lloyd, but it calls you to be a better human. In my books, you kind of have to be your highest level self, which is not a bad thing, but on certain days that can be more challenging than others. There's a whole thinking and philosophy and, as I said, practice about collaborative way. So I strongly encourage you to get the book. What's great about the book is it's told in a story format. You can finish it, I would say, in an hour, maybe less. And it's completely compelling because... Lloyd, you and Jason, the way you guys wrote it, was so personal and so real, and you can feel the resistance in terms of the characters, and then you get to see the transformation. So I really enjoy that about it, which also makes it very easy to share with your other team members and your team leaders. I think it's really powerful. So what I really liked, and we've had numerous conversations before we started working together, was that there really was a true alignment between what we're up to and what you're up to. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, Lloyd, you did a lot of work in companies, And you could see that certain things were not progressing the way that people wanted, that there was something missing. And that's from what you've told us before, kind of what was the instigation for you to come up with this process. So can you expand on that a little bit? And I'd love to know what was it like before and what's it like now when you work with companies? You're right. The collaborative way was born out of working with a company that was in a very challenging situation. They were the world leaders in their industry. And their market was about to explode. And they realized that very large players like 3M and Cabot would be moving into their market as it exploded, as they knew they couldn't compete with those larger companies on a basis of putting as much money into the market or putting as many PhDs into the market to try to meet these challenges. So they were working on how can we possibly continue to be the world leaders? in the face of this challenge. And they came to the conclusion that the only way they could do that is if they came up with an extraordinary way of working together. So they approached me. I had supported them in merging two of their companies back together. 
And they had asked if I would work with them to develop this extraordinary way of working. And it was like a dream project, absolutely, you know. And so we started taking it on. And in the beginning, we did it so much as what would normally be the way you'd go about this, which is primarily building individual leadership skills, building individual communication skills, working to deepen commitment and change behaviors. And we were making progress. It was a very positive thing. But when I looked at the challenge we were facing, I really had doubts that we were going to make it to this extraordinary level that we were going to need to be at. It was coming up against that and that we had the breakthrough that the collaborative way is, that's foundational to the collaborative way. And that's to realize if you want an extraordinary way of working together, then the way you can get there is you've got to call out how we are going to work together and then take on learning to work that way. If the learning is focused primarily at the individual's growth, Well, you're going to get a lot of that, but I've seen people with great communication skills, great leaders who don't work well together. And the company doesn't get the benefit of of all those skills and abilities that the individuals have. So the breakthrough is that when you put more focus, you start with the focus on how are we going to work together? And then you start to build mutual understanding and mutual commitment through that. And when we looked at well, what would those small number of commitments be? It just seemed so obvious. It was if we would listen generously to each other, speak straight to each other, really be for each other, honor our commitments, and each be a source of acknowledgement and appreciation up, down, across the organization. If we could come together that way, focusing those practices on what we're here to accomplish together, what we're up to, that's how we can get to extraordinary. That's not the common way people work together. Many people say, hey, that's all common sense. And in many ways, that is all common sense. Not entirely, but in many ways it is. Except if you really look in the world, that's not common practice. And when you actually put that into practice, extraordinary things begin to occur in how we can work together. That's so exciting. Well, and as you guys know, my passion is teamwork, especially unique ability teamwork. But your point is so appropriate because you can have really talented, bright, committed, engaged people, which is what most of the conversation out there is about. How do you get the right people? How do you make sure they're aligned? How do you make sure that they've got competencies? All of that stuff. But very little is focused on the interaction between. And you've broken it down into those five, as you said, very simple commitments. Easier said than done, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) It takes something to do it, but it's the connections between, and that makes all the difference. Before we jump into more, and Krista, I want you to talk about how you got involved with Lloyd as well. So you talked about it's extraordinary in terms of the results. So share what happened with the company after they instituted the collaborative way of working together. Well, in this case, the future that the two owners of that company were envisioning about their market expanding took place. So, and they as a company started doubling in size every 18 months. They were in the business of providing consumables for silicon wafers, making computer chips. This was back in 1990 when the birth of uh, laying down the foundation for the kind of chips that would allow for the smartphones and the whole world that we live in today. So their market did really expand, started growing like crazy. It was the time of the introduction of the quality movement of ISO to some of the most demanding customers in the world like Intel. And the big guys did come into the market. 
And they found that we were so difficult to compete against that they wanted to collaborate with us rather than to continue to go head to head. So it was an incredible success story. That's amazing. I love that you put that context around it because so many of our clients are focused on exponential growth and 10 times growth. And the real danger is we talk about the fact you need to simplify before you multiply. Because if you multiply complexity, what you have at the end is a disaster. It's a mess. And it just makes it not worth doing after a while. And what I love about this is it's such a simple system, as we talked about, not necessarily easy, but simple and easy to remember, which I appreciate. And to be able to grow with those market forces and to not fall apart, that's a lot of pressure and companies don't always make it. And as soon as you do start to grow, sort of the cracks. (laughs) And you really kind of need to have this collaboration system, I almost want to call it, this collaborative way to be able to keep rising to the challenge. So I think it's so in line with what we're all up to. Now, Krista, I'd love to know, you were looking for a Lloyd. Uh, (laughs) So talk about that and how the fact that Universe managed to put you together. Yeah, I was so looking for a Lloyd for at least a couple of years. I was working in basically two different worlds. One world was teaching and training authentic leadership and training authentic relating skills in one world. And then in another world, I was working with organizations and companies in different ways. One way was like mergers and acquisitions and getting them to find each other. And I was noticing in the merger and acquisition world, how much there was a lack of authentic leadership and how much there was a lack of all of these skills we're talking about speaking straight. You know, there was manipulation happening to make each other look bad or good or whatever the thing is. You know, and I was like, there's got to be a way to bridge this authentic leadership within companies. And I looked all over for different methodologies and, you know, some of them were very complex and they didn't really stick and they didn't last and they didn't work. And so I was a little bit frustrated, but committed to finding something. So when, when I came across Lloyd's, the model, and I learned about it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is it. So I was super excited and I contacted Lloyd and six months later, he happened to move to Boulder, Colorado, where I live. And I showed up on his doorstep and haven't left ever since. And (laughs) (laughs) I love that story. Yeah. It's been an amazing journey to both take on the practice of the collaborative way personally, and then also be able to bring it and support companies in taking on the practice as well. It's been an incredibly powerful journey. Mm, Fantastic. And just so that everyone listening knows, so both Lloyd and Krista came and facilitated the first three-day collaborative way session with our growth strategy group, so our leadership group. And then we have a commitment to roll it out to our entire company by the end of this calendar year. So we are all in when it comes to the collaborative way. And it's been really fun because it's now become part of our language when we <laughs> we're talking about different things, which is a very powerful way to operate together. Just before we get into what some of the different things are, I, I want to stress that As companies grow, stress fractures tend to come up. But everyone knows that there's these interactions we have with each other where there's a little bit of a rub. Mm -hmm. And you can either delve into it. More often than not, I think people go out and then they move away. (laughs) But then you're like, okay, that was too many rubs. I'm not going to talk to that person about that topic anymore. And then there's a rub with somebody else and friction. You're like, oh, that wasn't fun either. That hurt. And then you end up kind of like contorted in this weird shape as you try and navigate your day or navigate decisions or navigate implementation of innovations and it's it hurts (laughs) it's a little painful you still get there eventually hopefully but what i love about collaborative way is it gives you a way to address those rubs those friction points in a way that is supportive that is kind that is understanding and it's all focused on what we're up to 
to relate to what I'm up to. There's no unique ability to teamwork unless you have a goal, unless you're aligned on pulling off something together, hitting a target, making a particular difference in the world. So again, that's another area of alignment between Collaborative Way and us, which I really enjoy. So let's jump into the model. And if anyone wants to Google it, you can find the model. (laughs) There's pictures you can see. So listening generously is the first premise, the first behavior, the first commitment that you make in the collaborative way process. So can you define what listening generously is compared to perhaps its opposite? A little contrast might be useful here. Well, a real simple example would be the difference between listening for the value in what someone is saying versus judging what the other person is saying. So they're talking to me, oh, that's a bunch of nonsense. There's nothing of value in here. Here he goes again, or here she goes again. So that would be an ungenerous way and very typical. Mm-hmm. The other one would be working hard to really listen for, well, what is the value? And after all, he or she's on our team. There must be some value. You know, it's like very few people have no value to offer. So if I really listen, can I find that value? And then if we all learn to listen to each other. so There was a little thing I kept... So Lloyd and Krista had to coach me a little bit. And I kept joking because I'd be like, what do I do in this situation? What do I do in that situation? And they're like, well, the question that's really good to ask is, help me understand. Uh-huh. Yes. And I must have presented about five different scenarios, and the answer was the same every single time. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to tattoo that on my arm because I keep forgetting. Help me understand what you mean by that. Because I, you know, I think fast, I act fast, and so I have to slow down to listen generously, you guys talk about filters and things that get in the way of listening generously. So uh, let's talk about that. You talked about listening for judgment versus listening for value, because we do have these filters about people, right? Mm -hmm. Talk about how those, and can you ever really get rid of them? Or can you just put them aside? What's the scoop on that, Krista? You know, the way that we see it is that they're really hard to actually fully get rid of filters. But what we can do is as we start to become more aware of what filters we have in place, like a particular filter that I might have for Lloyd or a particular filter that I might have in particular situations, then I can catch it much faster when it does arise. And when I see it, I can set it aside like, oh, there it is. And then set it aside and actually bring more curiosity to, you know, like help me understand, like, like, especially it's really useful when I notice myself starting to feel really impacted, negatively impacted by something somebody says. And then easily a filter can arise of like bad intent or he's not for my success or something like that. And so rather than believing that, I can actually be, oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Help me understand. Was this what you were just trying to say? Because it impacted me this way. You know, and it's like one way to, to help figure out what's a filter, you know, what's actually going on what's in the way of listening and actually communicating. And you use the term, which I really resonated with when you were coaching it, authentic curiosity, really wanting to know and having that be at the forefront rather than our snap judgments or defense of our point of view or ego or whatever that is. And that is such a different space to come from in a million times more productive because maybe the person didn't say it in a way you could hear it, but there was something, maybe they need to get clear on their message and your questioning and your authentic curiosity and listening generously allows that to come out and have a much more real conversation. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. When I'm willing to, as you said, listen with curiosity and backed up with a willingness to be influenced because if Mm. I'm not willing to be influenced, then I'm not really curious. And it's not that I'm always going to be influenced, though usually in some way I am, okay? 
I might not change my fundamental view, but I might gain a whole new insight in how to speak to somebody else about this perspective. So there's an opportunity here to really learn something in almost every single interaction you're in, if you're willing to listen for the value. Mm. And to do that, you know, you have to set aside those filters. It's not that we're, we're not trying to get people get rid of filters because it's just being a human. We have filters and some of them are very useful. And even the useful ones, though, can blind us in certain situations and constrain like we can only hear what fits that particular filter. And it's particularly the challenging ones to set aside are ones that we know there's a certain amount of truth in. Okay. But if we can set a filter like that aside, and it's not abandon that perspective, but set it aside a little bit and then bring that authentic curiosity. Wow. Sometimes that's where you hear the breakthroughs. That's where you hear things that totally change the day. That does for me, at least. Mm-hmm. It's a great point to say the ones that have some truth in them. And I think a lot of people listening will be like, oh, phew, you mean I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, okay, my filters are somewhat justified. But it's true. How can you be aware of that and not have it be the only thing that dictates that conversation? So you can add to it. You can expand it and not be totally driven or dictated to by it. As you're talking, all I could think about is this is the path for growth. Uh Because this can happen to people, especially if they've been in a leadership role for years. You know, they've been through lots of experiences. Your past becomes a filter for what you can expect and create in your future. And this keeps you fresh. This keeps you present. This keeps you real. And I think that's really necessary given we're making up the future. It's not a guarantee. So that's one of the things I really appreciate about listening generously. Now, the corollary to that is the next piece, which is speaking straight, <laughs> which is really fun. And it's, I don't know about you guys, but I find people, I actually have done this exercise in workshops where I ask people to put themselves in a continuum as to how much they, I kind of asked it more from a conflict perspective, but I'm like, how many of you kind of are okay with saying the hard things that need to be said, whatever the consequences, and how many of you just would avoid it with every fiber of your being? And I asked them to kind of plant themselves. There's almost no one in the middle. <laughs> And one of the dangers in, you know, a company like ours that is very friendly and some people are related, some people have grown up with each other, you know, is that we're very nice. Uh Yes. We're also Canadian, so that might be, (laughs) (laughs) or at least a lot of us are, not all of us. So there's that, you know, we have this kind of country filter about being nice. So that's one I think is more that most people will have to overcome is not wanting to speak up. We've had a whole speaking up initiative in our company for a while because people weren't. So let's talk about speaking straight and what it is. It's also important to understand what it's not. It's not when you're out to get somebody. And that's one of the things about speaking straight, I think, that's very respectful. It's done from a very heartfelt, furthering things way as opposed to a critical way. So which one of you wants to tackle speaking straight? I'll start and then you can add on, Lloyd. Does that sound good? Sounds wonderful. Okay, great. So I would say, you know, speaking straight, the way we enter into that conversation is that it's being honest. And it's moving the ball down the field. It's moving forward what we're up to together. So it's being honest, but that doesn't mean that it's being mean, you know, and and saying something that isn't going to contribute to what we're up to together. And again, it's a reminder that all of these practices are for the purposes of to accomplish what we're up to together. Otherwise, we're not just here just to practice speaking straight with each other. We're here to succeed. So honest and forwarding. What would you like to add to that, Lloyd? You know, when you were talking about, so you got this one side of the spectrum has the challenge to speak up, okay? 
usually that other side of the spectrum has a challenge of speaking up in a way that actually contributes. Yeah, they'll open their mouths. Yeah, they'll say something about anything, but they're not always responsible for the impact of their speaking. And they're not looking to see, is their speaking actually contributing, as Krista was saying, to moving the ball down the field to accomplishing what we're up to. So when you really get what speaking straight is, there's a lot of responsibility and there's an expression of responsibility for both speaking up whenever I see something or recognize something that may be relevant to what we're dealing with and relevant to accomplishing what we're trying to accomplish, and then to do so in a way that actually contributes. So as you were pointing to, it's not beating people up. It's not demeaning people. It's not just spewing your views out into the meeting room in a way that doesn't contribute. So there's a real responsibility in speaking straight to contribute. One of the things that also really helps in this challenge about speaking straight is that by calling out that this is a mutual commitment, we are together committed to speaking straight. This is not just a skill I'm building, but this is how we are committed to relating to one another that then we can support each other in speaking straight. And also, as you were saying, how you have common terms, a person can say who's maybe struggling a little bit, said, I really would like to speak straight here about this. Would you help me? Or prepare everybody, you know, that's my intent. And I'm open to support, but here's what I have to say. So by having this common practice called out, it's a lot easier for us to engage because it's not any longer my view about what we should do or somebody else's view, but it's our mutual view that we are going to learn together how to speak straight to one another. So I love that. Go ahead, Krista. Sorry. I also wanted to say that in my practice of speaking straight, a big part of my edge, and it might be in a culture too, that's really nice to each other is not to just go along with something like I can make a ton of excuses in my head why I shouldn't be like, well, that doesn't really actually fit for me. You know, I'm kind of like, okay, whatever, but let's just move on. We'll just keep going. But not to do the go along thing, but to actually speak straight around where I am about things, which has been a growth edge for me in this three-year dance of the collaborative way. And then also being really responsible for the impact that my speaking is having on the other person is a really big part of speaking straight. So if I'm speaking straight to a colleague or a client and it's saying something that might be challenging for me to say, I also want to make sure that they're hearing it in the way that I'm intending it, and they're not walking away with some sort of negative impact that I'm not aware of. Mm-hmm. A couple of things come to mind as you're talking about that, and that is that you don't have to take things personally. It actually kind of liberates you from that almost default reaction, I think, that a lot of people have. It also, when you do speak up, you have to do so consciously and not just you know, it's, you know, venting, you have to be really careful with that and making sure that you are really responsible for your impact. That is such a key point. You know, I tend to think that business owners and certain leaders, they tend to talk out loud a lot without necessarily being conscious of their impact. But so many team members I've coached over the years don't want to speak up, don't think it's their job, don't think it's their place, which just hurts me every time I hear that. It's like, what do you mean it's not your place? You'd help avoid a train wreck if you spoke up. So there's work on both sides, and I'm sure on different issues, we're actually, I think that whole continuum is within all of us at any one point in time. It's neat. And it goes so well with listening generously. And, And I remember, Lloyd, something you said in our session, which is, okay, I'm listening to you now. 
are you willing to listen to me generously? Mm-hmm. And then that was an opportunity to, to speak straight about something. This is how the dance works. You know, you listen generously to someone and then you ask to be listened to generously and you speak straight, which means the person knows that it's about what you're up to, not to diminish them in some way. So you can start to see how these things work together. And we're only two through the five. <laughs> but those two things alone are really powerful. One of the really critical things there is to appreciate that if for me to really speak straight, I have to be listening generously. Yes. And what really counts is what the other person heard me say. If I'm really interested in influencing action, if I'm really interested in collaborating, it's not that I said it right. That doesn't really matter much. What truly matters is what did the person hear? And given they have their challenge, we all have challenges in listening to each other. If we can get more interested in what did that person hear, and we do that mutually back and forth, it's just so many of the misunderstandings that we have with each other. So many of the miscues, so many of the things that turn into rework, to turn into upsets, turn into whole stories we make about each other, was nothing more than we just didn't hear each other and we weren't responsible about checking to find out what that other person heard or, or else we didn't speak up about something that we had a concern about and said if we just do these two practices, as you said, listen generously, speak straight even elevated just a little bit, it's amazing the difference that can make. And then if you really take on, as you were mentioning earlier, that this is a growth opportunity, both of these practices, I've been at this practice for over 27 years, and I'm still learning when it comes to each of them. Listening generously and speaking straighter both continue to be learning opportunities for me. So true. And I am crystal clear, all the miscues, miscommunications, the rework, ties directly to the bottom line. I mean, this is not a nice, fluffy, soft skill type of deal. This translates to cash or lack thereof. So just think about when two teams miscommunicated. So someone has to do a whole bunch of work or they miss a deadline or two teams manage to tick each other off. And so they're isolated and siloed and they don't communicate. And so the marketing doesn't go out the way it's supposed to. You know, you hear traditional fights between the sales teams and the technical teams and That costs business so much money. I talk about friction and drag a lot. And this, even just these two, is so much about eliminating that friction and drag. It calls more for us personally to do Mm -hmm. because you can't default to some of those old habits. But if we can just get rid of, as you said, even a little bit, (laughs) even if you could up it a little bit, it has a big impact in increased productivity and increased profitability two of my favorite words in business. And that's actually part of your model as well. But before we get to that, let's talk about being for each other. And I like this one because it's sort of a a ground of being, if I can use that term. It's kind of what your basic premise is with the people on your team. And I think this one might challenge some folks. So talk about being for each other and what that means. So being for, it starts out as being for the other person's success. So I mean, that's actually would be a good idea, right? If we're all wanting to succeed, I'm going to be for each other's success and for the success of what we're up to together. And I would say that we tend to think that we are for each other's success until we really look at this like a little bit deeper. Yeah. So it's like you said in your company, in Strategic Coach, there's a tendency towards being nice. Nice, if you transform it into being for, is very powerful. So that means uh, if I'm for you, For one thing, it's going to require that I do have the tough conversations 
that need to happen. Because if I don't, and you're skidding off, headed towards unworkability, or there's something in what you're doing isn't working well, or at least looks that way to me, and I don't address it, I'm not supporting your success. But I'll not address it under the guise of being nice. And in truth, that's not very nice. Mm-hmm. You know, so being for each other. And when you start to see being for each other as a practice that we can take on together, normally being for is more of an assessment. Do I like this person? Do I not like them? Are I for them? Am I not? Today I am, tomorrow I'm not. Versus where I take it on as a committed practice. At first you might think, oh, this is all about, again, being touchy-feely or whatever, or it's all nicey-nice. Being for each other is a really challenging way of relating to one another. I'm calling for your best. I'm going to have the conversations I need to have to support your being your best. If somebody gossips, I'm going to intervene in that gossip because otherwise I'm allowing filters to be spread about you. I'm making the environment in which you work in more difficult for you to succeed. I'm not going to gossip myself. When you engage with me, I'm going to start from looking for positive intent in the way you're in whatever you're saying or how you're engaging rather than immediately default to some other view. Boy, if we just start working like that together, even a little bit more again, and if we got really good at it, then that's ultimately really powerful because we're beginning to really relate to each other as human beings. And we're really seeing each other something more than just simply a means to an end. And there's another human being over here with heart, with a family, with friends, and I care about them. And I'm going to care about them in a way that I'm going to support their success. And I'm not going to settle for something less than that. And I'm going to do it while supporting what we're up to together. So it's about your growth, about our growth. As you said, a heartfelt connection. Sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I don't want to open up my heart because then I won't have the real conversations, you know, with people. (laughs) But that's not really the case because if I truly open my heart to another person, I can have the real conversations in a way they can be heard, in a way that we can grow our partnership and our relationship together, and in a way that we can do things together that we couldn't do otherwise. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like this one might be, even though it looks like the easiest, it might be the most challenging. And I think I'm coming from not a lot of my own experience at Coach, thankfully, but reading about other organizations, Dave Logan has a great way of talking about this in his book, Tribal Leadership. Tribal stage three is I'm great, you're not. which is 48% of American business, academia, and healthcare. I'll be for you until you're in my way. (laughs) It's kind of like elbows out on the way up. And what I love about his book and why I was so excited, and I've interviewed him too, is, you know, he talks about stage four is that we're great. Mm -hmm. That's what I consider unique ability teamwork to be, and that's what I consider a collaborative way to be, is that it's like, no, we're great, each of us is, but you have to be willing to put that other focus aside. It's not just being a rugged individual. It's all about you. It has to be about somebody else. That would be my kind of impression that that might be the most challenge. I don't know if that's your experience or not. Well, to truly be for each other, we have to do the other practices. So it requires the other. Okay. All right. (laughs) Let's talk about those. (laughs) And just to share one thing is to validate what you're saying. When we started the collaborative way, the company I was mentioning earlier, Rodell, as we were growing, while we couldn't compete with the other companies uh, like a 3M, a number of PhDs, what this way of working together did do that we hadn't anticipated 
is that it was a real attractor to some of the best talent in the industry. So while we couldn't beat number of PhDs, we attracted one of the best PhDs in that industry, in that field. And after he'd worked at Rodell for about six months, he approached me and we had a conversation and he said, you know, Lloyd, this is the first time in my career that I feel like who I'm competing against is the competition. Nice. Yeah. So it's, that's exactly what you're talking about. So often we're competing against each other in our own companies in an unhealthy way. There's a healthy way where that competition is an expression of being for each other. But that's not the most common way. Commonly, we're either subtly or grossly undermining each other. We're not really all being for each other's success. So when we can learn to do that, the power of that is extraordinary. Mm, fantastic. So let's move on to the next one, which is honoring commitments. And this is going to feel less touchy-feely to people. But there's such a cool spin in honoring commitments. It's not a one-way street. So honoring commitments is when you say, I'm going to do this by then. And you guys are so good at asking for commitment. There's no getting off the hook with, with either of you on this one. And it was like, oh, I'm making a commitment. So describe what honoring commitments is, because you have a different, a more expansive take on it that I think most people's initial understanding of it might be? Well, I'll start out and then you can add, Lloyd. Honoring commitments, I would say that one of the greatest things that I've gotten out of the honoring commitment practice is this idea, if I accept a commitment from somebody that they're going to do something for me by a certain time, I don't just then be like, okay, good luck, go do it. And we'll see if it happens. Bye-bye. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm just as responsible for that commitment happening as you are responsible. So we're both responsible here versus kind of the lone ranger paradigm where, you know, we give it away and then we're just out on our own and, and good luck. And we'll see if it ever occurs. But if in my commitment to making sure that that commitment is met, if there's any point when I have any concern that it's not going to be met. It's my responsibility to go and address, just see, hey, I have this kind of feeling that there might be something missing here. Can we take a look at this together? So that's one big part of honoring commitments. And, and when it's like that, as Krista was speaking to, when we both see that we're in it together, then if I'm holding the commitment, I'm the one who's actually out there making it happen. And the person who I made it to has a concern, they come to me. I understand the nature of the conversation because I realize they're responsible for this too. So we get an opportunity just to have a conversation to look to see, well, what's the truth about it? Are we on course? Do I need support? This is an opportunity to express being for each other, not an opportunity for using a baseball bat or, or a chance to demean someone. By looking at responsibility in this way, we're building a much stronger fabric, uh, scaffolding framework for fulfilling on commitment. Because when you accept the commitment, as we often do normally, and go inside our heads, we go, oh, yeah, just like the last time you're going to do this. Then what we don't see is in that very moment, we're not honoring commitments. We're not supporting that future happening. And then later, we're going to throw a big hissy fit when the person doesn't do it. When we right there in that moment participated in that failure from the very beginning ourselves, that would be a really important moment to speak straight and listen generously, to work through your concerns, to find out if this was really a commitment that we should be making or that that person should be making, or how are we going to get this future to happen? How are we going to get what we need to have happen other than crossing our fingers and hoping and then getting to be right about he didn't or she didn't do it again? 
that's not a very really effective way to fulfill on commitment. Yes. And one of the things that I find so incredibly frustrating is when people sound resigned or cynical about other team members, because exactly what you both have said is like, I'm going to wait and see how long will it take for them to screw up? And you're like, oh, Lord, that is like the opposite of teamwork. (laughs) But you have such a clear process for doing that. And I love the example in the book, because this person has to deliver this important thing by a deadline. And, you know, the main character in the book just drives by the site to go and have a real conversation, not just a phone, to say, hey, I just wanted to make sure. And then some questions get asked and clarification happens. It's not seen as, oh my gosh, he's questioning me on how I do my job, you know, or he doesn't believe in me, or why did he come and visit me? You know, there's none of that normal stuff, trust me, that happens. You know, it's like, I appreciate that I might not have hit the commitment if you hadn't supported me. To me, this is so incredibly important because how we handle this is indicative of our teamwork in general. You know, if you're just waiting for someone to fail, that's one mindset. But if you're like, okay, I'm in it with you and I'm going to support you and that we're in this together, again, completely different mindset, completely different perspective and so much more forwarding to what we're up to. So this one, I think, to me, is one of the clearest ways of being there for each other. And one, I think, that for me has the most meaning, partly because if I look at my Colby profile or anything else, there are some things I really need help with. Yes. And I love making commitments. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, oh, that was one, two, five too many. So, and when people remind me, I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for the prompt. I don't consider it nagging. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're the best. I assume that people are, when they're reminding me, are with positive intent. I don't know if they haven't been or not. (laughs) That's how I'm taking it. So I know for me that I need that. And it also gives me permission to do that in a, a gracious way. So that one to me is just, you can be very acknowledging of people's different, how their mental energy plays out, their capabilities. It also means sometimes that they have some questions that need to get answered, and you can really clarify and get people re-engaged with the why if something's really important. So I love this one. Yeah, and one other thing I'd like to add to that is a big part of the collaborative way in taking it on is learning these practices. So we're going to break our commitments. It's just, it's part of what happens until we get better and better and better at honoring our commitments. And so part of this is addressing when we break our commitments. And so often in so many companies, What they don't do is they don't address broken commitments, whether I broke it, whether you broke it, and we just kind of skate over it, you know, and then it's kind of this underlying uncomfortable thing where then we do have the filter of, oh yeah, we'll see if they do it. You know, it's just this perpetuating thing. So one part of honoring a commitment is actually addressing when we break commitment, when you break commitment and doing it in a way from the context of learning. Okay. So what happened? Let's take a look. Okay. What do we need to put in place so that this doesn't happen again? And to really support each other, because like Lloyd said, we're never going to be experts at these practices. It's a continual learning. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mention that. And I'm so grateful that you did because yes, it's the not acknowledging broken commitments and sweeping it under the carpet, yeah. but the bump is still there. It gets to be a very lumpy carpet after a while. You're like, oh, can't walk on this. And that's what creates the cynicism and the resignation and the defeatist kind of attitude about things. I don't know about you guys, but I find it frustrating when people don't acknowledge when they've not done something they said. I'm like, yeah take ownership of it. Don't pass the buck. Don't, you know, whatever. So this solves so many of those issues very easily and very quickly. But again, you have to have the mindsets of listening generously, speaking straight, being for each other to be able to do that well. Otherwise you can default. 
The last one, Strategic Coach, is all about positive focus and appreciation. So let's talk about acknowledgement and appreciation. This was really fun because you guys had us do this, what, three, four, five times? <laughs> no, it was, it was awesome because they're different layers. Yes. And it was like, oh, now I get it. It's great. And as someone who normally goes fast, it was a good learning experience to slow down and give the depth to it. No, I try and do this anyway, but I learned a lot from acknowledgement and appreciation. So again, it's what I'm trying to convey here is you can't just take the words and go, okay, I get it, and go. There's a lot of richness and depth and even subtlety to some of them that are really important, which is why it's a full three-day training or coaching, I should say. So acknowledgement and appreciation, describe what you guys mean by that. Well, what we're talking about here is first that we each take on the responsibility for the presence of acknowledgement and appreciation throughout our team, throughout the company. And one of the ways we express that is through acknowledgement. There's a lot of ways others to express appreciation. Just the way we greet each other can be an expression of appreciation. Um, there are so many ways. Listening to each other is such a powerful way of expressing appreciation. Those little thank yous are a wonderful way of appreciation. And a very powerful expression of appreciation is acknowledgement. So now the challenge is to do that with some depth. Well, the first challenge is to notice those opportunities. Okay. Most of us are so wired towards getting things done or filling the gap that's there in terms of whatever we want to accomplish. Fixing stuff. Fixing stuff that it's challenging for us to notice those things that if appreciated would grow. Those things that are contributing to what we're accomplishing together, if we just acknowledge and appreciate them some, they would grow for no cost other than true acknowledgement and appreciation. We can grow capacities, strengths, people in our company just by stopping and giving some acknowledgement with depth. Now, the challenge is to deal with depth because it, the next challenge is to deal with depth. And that's something more than, you know, great job. Great job is better than nothing, and it's very common, but it's still great job. What do you mean? So can I look at specifically what did the person do and acknowledge that? And I could even add a little more depth by appreciating what they had to go through to do it. And I could add a little more depth by how that impacted me, what that meant to me, that they did that. Sometimes when you're willing to share how what they did impacted you, that is many times the most meaningful part of the acknowledgement to other people. And then there's also the possibility of acknowledging the future, the future for the team that's as a result of this person doing what they did, what future is opening up for the team, what future is opening up in our relationship, maybe even what future is opening up for that person. So as we begin to bring more depth to our acknowledgement, it's very powerful. Now, another part of acknowledgement appreciation is learning to get good at receiving acknowledgement. Okay? <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> yeah, there's like the giving it, and people will say, well, you should, not everybody's comfortable with acknowledgement. You know, you don't shouldn't acknowledge it because it makes Yes, but in an environment where we actually take on as one of our practices to learn to accept acknowledgement, and we can actually all do that because I know that because I had a lot of learning to do there. <laughs> I was one of those deflectors when I started practicing, you know, oh, I'm just doing my job and not let the acknowledgement hit me until I realized that I was actually diminishing acknowledgement around me 
by doing that, when, then when somebody would extend themselves and acknowledge me and I wouldn't let it in, I was actually demeaning them. It took a lot for me to wake up to that. So when we can get acknowledgement and appreciation moving inside of an organization, up, down, across the organization, not just downward like it's normally that's typical, but when it goes in all directions, that's like the secret sauce. You want to have an extraordinary team? There's the secret sauce right there. I couldn't agree more. You know, there's studies and I read articles all the time about there are people that are just hungry or thirsty might be a better word for this kind of acknowledgement. They want to know, people are desperate to know that what they're doing makes a difference yeah. Yeah. and how it makes a difference and how it impacts other people and to be appreciative for the effort and what they had to go through to do it. For leaders listening right now, please, please listen hard to this one <laughs> because as you said, it's free. It takes attention and it takes consciousness to give it back, but it is so incredibly meaningful. And it's just what you said. It helps people and situations grow. The word appreciate means to increase in value. You know, if we think about a stock that increases, it increases in value. So when we appreciate something, it increases in value for them and for us and for the organization. So that is such a critical point. But in our busyness, and I think even the best of us can default to sort of a more transactional way of being together rather than a relationship way of being together. It can be skimpy. Yeah. One of the things I've always read as being a parent is one of the best things you can do is you specifically acknowledge your child and what they've done. Oh, good job. You cleaned up your room. You put your stuffies up on the shelf and you pulled up the covers on the bed and you hung up your bathrobe on the hook. That's awesome. Now, do you think you could take your pillow from the middle of the bed and put it at the top? <laughs> you know, as opposed to saying, why is your pillow in the wrong place? You know, but it's that whole thing of being very, very specific. And then they get to know actually what they did that was good, that pleased you or that made the situation better. And we're all kids at heart. If you can go to your uh, child and say, you know, and that just made my day walking in here to see your room like that. I'm so touched. Mm -hmm. So they let you know the impact that they were able to make on you by doing that. That's also really adds to the depth of that acknowledgement. It does. And, and I think kids are not used to hearing, you know, you impact your parents. And I think team leaders, it works both ways. For a team member to give positive feedback to a, a team leader. Oh, yeah. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> you know, when it does, it's like, oh my gosh, that made my day. Yeah, so that's a very powerful circumstance. I mean, I guess in a lot of cultures, this probably isn't, they have to probably extend their skill at it, but at least a lot of the people that we work with are naturally sort of gracious. Is this a hard one in terms of the people with whom you work as well? Is this a tough one to adopt or is this one a pretty straightforward one? I would say it really differs. Mm -hmm. I would say that... Some people, it comes very naturally and easily. Other people, it feels very vulnerable, actually, to appreciate someone else with depth and to actually open themselves up to say the things that can be tender and vulnerable, even in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for other people, they pick it up right away and they see the impact it has. So it varies. Probably depends a lot on how you were raised. <laughs> also, for most of us, it does take some kind of support, some kind of reminder to keep it present for us. Because it's so easy for it to fall away. I know it's slipped away for me at times. And without a reminder, it's so easy to do. So even those of us that are really good at it, it's an important practice, as are the other ones, to keep reminders present so that I can actually deliberately practice. Because that's the big challenge. I mean, how can you argue with these five practices? It's pretty hard to can I add something to that yeah. right there? There is, and we've spoken a little bit about this in this conversation, there is this kind of 
misunderstanding about collaboration and harmony and airy fairy and nice, nice. And like some of the biggest skeptics actually, when taking on the practice of collaborative way are often like, Hmm, I'm not quite sure about this thing. It feels a little touchy feely. In one company we worked with, the actual CFO was the guy that was really resistant to taking it on because he didn't see how actually these practices really forward what we're up to, even the bottom line. And they really do impact the bottom line. He's now like one of the biggest advocates because he's seen the difference in how it impacts the bottom line. And I have a couple of examples in terms of how it does impact the bottom line. Go ahead. In that company, what happened? So in this company, after a little over two years of taking on the practice of the collaborative way, and they were already a leader in their industry, a software company. After two years of taking on the practice of the collaborative way, their revenue grew about 55% and their profitability grew about 50%. Obviously, it's not just the practice of the collaborative way that has created this, but the CFO here in this company said that he can contribute a lot of the collaborative way to these results. And then another company, they're a boutique manufacturing company. They're a very successful company and a leader in their industry, obviously. In their first year of practicing the collaborative way, they reported output increased by 20% and their profits increased by almost 30%. It's like we can have this misunderstanding of airy-fairy, harmony, like why take on these practices? But when you really look at what we're doing together, it's impactful. Totally. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing those stats because... For anyone interested in those results, pay attention. (laughs) This is really worthwhile. I see the costs all the time of those miscommunication and miscues and causes rework and resentment and lack of communication. What I love is that this is a very clear, straightforward system to put in place that eliminates all of that. It's not a mindset that most people are either trained in practicing, used to practicing, brought up doing. And everyone has certain things that are a lot easier than others. One of the things we should talk about is you have this incredible questionnaire that you can fill out and score yourself in terms of how you fall. And it was interesting because I consider myself pretty good at teamwork. And then I filled it out and was like, I have some work to do. (laughs) So it's very useful. So they can find that on the website as well. Is that right, Krista? Collaborativeway.com? That's right. They can find it on the website under the resources tab, and it's called the Collaborative Way Self-Survey. Yes. And I'm going to highly recommend that all of you right now, unless you're driving, jump on and go to the resource section and get the Collaborative Way Self-Survey because it is very enlightening. And again, what I love is all the depth is there. There's even more than what we've talked about today because clearly this is just an hour conversation that summarizes 27 years of work. (laughs) But we've done a good job. So I'm really excited about that. The other thing I want to share since we're talking about results is what some of the impacts are. So there's organizational speed and agility. That's kind of what we were just referring to, which translates to results and profits. Raise your hand if that's exciting for you. That's exciting. Yep. Teamwork leads to increased productivity and innovation hands up for that. I want that too. And then a really satisfying work environment. And I loved your example of the fact that who you can attract, you know, Lloyd, with your example of the PhD with Rodell, is that people are hungry, same as you were looking to find uh, Lloyd, Krista, a satisfying work environment where people aren't infighting. Politics is not the name of the game. They're up to something meaningful and worthwhile. And, And everything I hear about the generation in the workplace now, meaningful work is so critical, but meaningful interactions as well. That fits in. So I actually think this is 
even though it's been around for a long time, is becoming more and more critical to how we work together. And the old traditional hierarchical, do what I say, don't talk back to me, is hopefully going the way of the dinosaurs because it doesn't work. Right. It doesn't work as well as this does. And that leads to employee loyalty and customer satisfaction. We haven't talked a lot about customers, but customers notice yes. how integrated or aligned the company is that they're hiring. Is that right? That's right. I mean, like the software company that's working for us was working with a company that had been practicing the collaborative way for over 22 years. So they were bringing an iPad application to the foreman that were in this company. Started and it was a very collaborative effort between the two companies, the software company and the construction company. And eventually the CEO of the software company got involved and came to some of these meetings. And They already had a Google campus and they were very proud of their culture and all. And they'd done a lot of really great things, except when he got there in the meetings, he went, well, these guys listen better than we do. (laughs) These guys speak straighter than we do. What's going on here? And out of that curiosity, they ended up connecting with us. And then eventually we're working with them as they're taking on the practice of the collaborative way. So it's a very real and tangible Some companies, we first focus the practice towards how we're going to work together within the company, but that begins to spill out. It spills out into their families. It's really always wonderful to hear those beautiful stories of how listening at home and being poor at home has shown up with such a different kind of results. It's so fantastic. And it starts to aim towards their customers. And then some of them even turn it into a very conscious and deliberate effort to alter how they work with their customers in their practice of the collaborative way. So, What you've just described is a very holistic way of doing things, and it, you can't just do it at work and then not do it at home. Right. It alters how you look at things, how you want to be in conversation, how you want to be in relationship with people. So it doesn't shut off. You do take it home, yeah. and you want to be listened to generously, and you want to be able to speak straight because that's what works. That's what leads to a better teamwork environment at home. And then I love that it spills over. And I love that that's how you got a new client. (laughs) That's a brilliant story right there. So that's really great. And how great going to work actually makes me a better parent, a better husband, a better wife, that it supports me in my growth as a person and makes my company more effective, more competitive, and more able to fulfill on its vision. That's a pretty nice situation. It certainly is. It's all win, win, win. And there's no loss in this formula, in this structure. Last couple of things, we'll touch on them very briefly, or this is something actually to read about, is premises of inclusion Mm -hmm. to make sure the right people are in, as you talk about kind of the right meetings. And also what it does is give people permission that if they don't need to be in that meeting, they can exit it, which is great. And alignment, these are two of the really key guiding principles. And then there's an ethic of responsibility. So do you want to just touch on those so we don't leave anyone without some key information that they need before we wrap up? Well, I thought you started to touch on it well. So these are two guiding principles. They're really expressions of the other practice, but it's important to call them out, is to get good at including people within the organization in a way that contributes to what you're up to. So you over-include, it doesn't contribute to what you're up to. You under-include, and it also doesn't. If I'm not included in things that happen in my area of accountability, that doesn't support me. You know, if I don't know about key events that have occurred that are important to the future of the company, how can I work towards that? If I don't understand the competitive situation in the marketplace that our companies in, 
How can I know how to engage correctly? So, so many of the things that we complain about people in terms of their behavior is really a function of a failure to include them well in what's going on. And then it's learning to be able to align and manage alignment through time. And to do that takes all the practices the collaborative way well practice. So alignment is something very different than compliance. You know, so now I'm really looking for your heart, your spirit. To get that, I've got to be able to listen generously to you. We've got to work through your concerns so you can come to a place to authentically be behind what we're up to. And then you have to learn how to do that well so that you don't hijack the whole project. So those are things that we can learn how to do well together. That's a challenge. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just say to the ethic of responsibility, you know, one thing that the collaborative way really does really well is if you take on the practice of the collaborative way, you're truly giving up your victim mentality. And you start to see how you can actually be really responsible for every area of your life and to engage with it responsibly and to be responsible in your leadership and responsible for what unfolds versus being at the effect of other people, being at the effect of your work, being at the effect of your life. So it's a great practice in becoming more responsible. And I'm so about that because victim anything drives me slightly insane. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I get all itchy. You can't see me right now, but I'm like, ugh, shuddering. But go ahead, Lloyd. Yeah, there are areas, there are places where all of us are at the effect. So through this practice, I can wake up to them. Now, when I first wake up to them, it's like you said, sometimes it's like, Ugh, uh, that's a little embarrassing, or I don't like seeing that. Or And by recognizing them, that gives me the opening to work my way through that and take greater responsibility and actually practice the collaborative way to accomplish what we're up to. So. I love it. And I love looking at responsibility. There's almost two ways to hold responsibility. One is kind of as a weight and something heavy. But if you look at responsibility as able to respond, and what I love about this is it really expands, I think, people's ability to respond to a broader number of circumstances and people and issues and considerations and opportunities than before. Exactly. Because we all get a little bit constricted after X number of years in business. So you increase your ability to respond out of this. You know, opposite of victim, I was just reading about as creator. So when you're able to create and take ownership and it's like, oh, I can create something new here out of authentic, genuine curiosity, there's just massive opportunities out there. Oh my goodness, there's so much to talk about. (laughs) We have to wrap up now. But anyway, awesome overview. My goal here today was to kind of give everyone a taste because this is something you'll be hearing about from me a lot more. And I just really appreciate both of you. I want to give you a deeper appreciation, but I just want to say thank you for opening the books and showing us what this is about. Lloyd? Yeah, one last thing I'd like to say is that one of the beauties of the collaborative way is that at whatever level of practice you take it on, whatever level of understanding you have for the practice, if you'll actually practice, it will move you along. So there's companies that have taken and teams who've just taken the one book that you've been talking about and use that as the foundation of their practice. And it's made a difference. We also have another book on our website called Leading the Collaborative Way. We have a lot of information on the website to help you in your practice. So at whatever level of understanding, we encourage you to go ahead and start practicing. Now, we'd love to work with companies as well, and we have many ways of doing that, some with a lot of involvement and some with less. Our intent is to support you in practicing. And forwarding what you're up to. Forwarding what you're up to. Yeah, exactly. 
And I think that's one of the, I'm going to use the word delicious things about working with you is, and this is our experience, but all of a sudden you get these two really powerful people on your team and forwarding what you're up to. Do you know how delightful that is? <laughs> it's really special. It's like, oh, awesome. They're on our side. You know, they're helping us. So that's a gift in and of itself. Strategic coach, I was telling Kristen and Lloyd this before we started working together. We're really picky about with whom we work. We've reached out to a bunch of companies and some of them said, um, we can't help you. You're already at the level we would coach you to be at. So I'm like, oh, well, that's not very helpful. Um, you know. And one of the things that Lloyd and Krista did during our Mayday calls <laughs> to see if this is going to work is that it's always very clear that you were there for us. So again, that teamwork and that partnership, coaching coaches is not an easy task. We do this for a living. So we're like, hmm, it's going to be good. And it was an absolutely delightful experience. So if anyone is interested, I will two hands up validate how awesome that experience is. So I want to try my hand at appropriate acknowledgement <laughs> for you guys. First of all, I really appreciate this conversation because it allows me to share from you, the creators and co-creators of Collaborative Way, with this audience, something that I find very personally meaningful, so much more useful than just me talking about it. So I love that we're able to share this and make it available for more people. As you know, my passion is teamwork, and this is a brilliant, brilliant system that works with evidence, which I love even more, for what it does. So it makes a difference for me in the sense that these are the interlocking pieces between really brilliant, talented people doing their unique ability. This is the teamwork portion of it in terms of how people can communicate. So that is massively useful and validating for me and to be able to share it with my clients and say, hey, this is what you need to be doing. <laughs> this is what I strongly recommend is really fantastic. It definitely has impacted me. You know, I still sort of jokingly say tattoo on my arm. Help me understand. <laughs> So I love how it's helped me grow, how it's helped me listen. And a lot of people have said when we've asked for kind of how's it going, they're like, oh, at home, it's really, you know, it's really evident how important this is. So anything that can help us as human beings, I find very rewarding, very nourishing, and very elevating. That's kind of the word. So it's helped me in my relationship with my daughters and my husband and my sister and, you know, my mom. So I just appreciate that for me. And I'm excited because, I've said this before, but when I see the messes, the cleanups that people have to do, the friction, the drag, the, where people are stuck, and I get frustrated for people, and this feels like, I want to say the answer, but kind of, it's the answer. <laughs> if people were to put these things into place, then I know that they can get where they want to go because I want to forward what our clients and our people listening are up to. So from all of those levels, deep, deep appreciation. Thank you very much for this conversation and for the work that you do. We're all benefiting as a result. That's an amazing acknowledgement. Thank you. I receive it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Shannon. So appreciate your, you know, one, your practice of the collaborative way and your commitment to practice. And then I also just truly appreciate your willingness to and your commitment to share the collaborative way with others. And so that's a really big gift. And Thank you very much. You're very welcome. One last thing to add in. I had a chance to kind of let our Chicago team in on it last week, and it was so well received. And I just did the overview, just kind of as we've done today, and had people do the scoring and do a little bit of listening generously. And even that little touch that you mentioned, Lloyd, people were so receptive to it and so acknowledging of the things that they do best in the areas where they want to improve. So just to close out, I want to encourage everyone to download the Collaborative Way self-survey. It is so enlightening. 
don't go in the gap, anybody listening to this. And then grab the book from collaborativeway.com. It's brilliant. And I appreciate how many different ways you packaged ways to access the collaborative way. There's like the mini, the small, the medium, the large. You've got it all thought through, which, you know, as a company who packages things, I really appreciate that. So I want to encourage all of our listeners to just dive in, go explore this, contact you guys, because this can make a real difference in everything that we're up to. So thank you. Fantastic. All right. So just to wrap up, thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please let us know at questions And as always, here's to your team success. Hi, Shannon here. And thank you very much for listening. If you like what you heard today, please take a moment to rate the Team Success Podcast on iTunes, and we'd love it if you'd share the podcast with anyone else who could benefit. If you're interested in learning more about the Strategic Coach Program for Entrepreneurs, visit us at strategiccoach.com or the Strategic Coach channel on YouTube. For free downloads and more Team Success strategies, visit teamsuccesshandbook.com.